Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Halo has an infinite delay. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is getting a different kind of reboot. And will Facebook gaming ever get fully off the ground? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you can like, share, follow us, do whatever you can, throw us some of those Facebook gaming stars our way. Truly appreciate it as independent podcaster and someone like myself and my co-host Josh that does this basically for the love of pop culture. Any help or support that you can give us is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He's our own MacGruber of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome shows, Topic Ocalypse, and the Super BS Gamescast, which you can also give a five-star review to. And of course, his book, which you got to get today, Congratulations, You Suck, available now at Barnes Noble and also Amazon. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Wearing the Josh shirt to end Shark Week. What's up, man? I keep trying to get like a, an H put right here. So it says Josh. <laughs> but just, the, we haven't gotten enough stars yet. So the funds just aren't there for that. Yes. Please send us those Facebook stars so we can get Josh an H. Might even do would, like a Kickstarter for that. How about doing a Kickstarter? Yeah. It would really complete me. Yes, yes. Well, I do want to go ahead and say thank you so much, as always, my friend, for joining me. Also, as well, you got to go ahead and check out what we're doing at the Lakers Fast Break. We've recorded several podcasts this week, so you want to go ahead and check out the latest episodes there. Plus, with the NBA playoffs right around the corner, you got to go ahead and get up to date on our thoughts on what's going on in the NBA right there at the Lakers Fast Break. And then also, Chris Sardieri and I will be coming back very soon for all you fantasy football fans at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. I was going to say, before we get started on this, do you feel like taking a little walk around the rumor mill with me? 
Okay, well, yeah, absolutely. My friend, you, you're always welcome to go around the rumor rail. You know how much I love rumors, as every time I get a little bit squeamish when Jamie Monroy posts on GameSource all those Game Rant rumors, and like only about 25 to 30% of them are actually end up being true. So you know mm. how much I love those rumors. Yes. But go ahead. Let's, let's right. go take a walk around. Let's go take a walk around the rumor mill. Yep, I was going to say, Gerald and Post, or even right now, as he just did, is going to be adding some theme music to this segment of the show. Oh, dear God. Uh, not going to be the Limp Bizkit song all about the he said, she said, no, but it's going to be issues. more family friendly. Yeah, is what we're going for here. All right, so rumor number one comes from IGN itself. This is a dangerous one. Remedy Entertainment is currently working on a game that might be Alan Wake 2 control expansion that has to do with alan wake so if that happens we'll see this next one comes from multiple websites all over the internet so i know we we had discussed this back during ea's state of play events a mass effect remaster trilogy is going to be released in october great preparation on that one yeah this is coming from a lot of websites so i feel like this one seems a little bit more legit but uh, apparently we're supposed to get an announcement for this next week there's two more one comes from kotaku as uh, i discussed with you before the show existing copies of control will not be upgraded to next gen consoles you will have to buy a completely new game how do you feel about that how do you how do you feel do you think that that's true do you think they they would short the fans like that Yes, I would think they would short the fans like that. I'm not going to put anything past these developers and publishers, no matter how big or how small. I've seen too much as far as the video game industry is concerned. So I'm going to tell you right now, my friend, that I don't put anything past these developers, these publishers right now to make the extra buck because there is a lot of money involved. It takes a lot to go ahead and upgrade these games. So it's not exactly for free. I mean, just, oh, let's just change the color scheme and there you go. It does take money to go ahead and upgrade these to a different format. But we as fans don't have to buy it. We as fans don't have to go ahead and and purchase it automatically. If we want that Mm -hmm. nice, shinier, better-looking control game, we can wait five years and we'll play it fresh, wait until it hits the bargain bin, and there you go. I mean, it's just that simple. We don't have to buy it, and we don't have to clamor for it, you know, right away. It's a very successful game from a critical standpoint. How well it's sold? It's sold, I'm sure, pretty good, but I don't think it's sold gangbusters because it's a critical darling, but it's not gotten, you know, the type of mainstream-wide acclaim and attention from the large gaming audience out there. I think Control's still more, not necessarily a niche, but right above that. As far as the game is concerned, I know a lot of people who haven't played it yet, so they may be waiting for it, and that's fine. It'll be fresh to them. But if you've already played Control, wait five years. Wait until the the next-gen version becomes a a bargain-discounted product, and then if you want to go into it, play it then. But yeah, it just, to me, is something that, again, I'm not surprised with at this point in time, no matter the size of the developer or the publisher, whether it's small or large. Yeah, you know, it doesn't surprise me anymore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, you know, like you were saying, like you could always wait to pick it up in the bargain bin or whatever, wherever, Black Friday sale, whatever it might be. I know Remedy is a, a small studio, so, you know, they don't have the budget that, like, Square or uh, Microsoft or, or Sony Studios would have, you know, for their remasters. But 
I don't know about you, but like I sometimes get a hankering five years after a game comes out to sit down and play it again. So I mean, in that scenario, yeah, I would go to I would totally go to the store and buy a, a, a new copy of Control, especially if it meant that I could get achievements over again because I just that's the way I roll, you know. That's the way um, you roll. Final rumor of the day. This comes from GameInformer.com. New image of Mario in the summertime sparks speculation frenzy. So if you remember a while back, we had chatted about Nintendo possibly remastering a bunch of old Mario games. And this image seems to hint at a Super Mario Sunshine, as we all remember. I think that one was on GameCube, correct? That's correct. Yes. So this is one that I'm hoping is true, actually, because... Nintendo has not made any announcements for anything coming around holiday time. We had Paper Mario, you know, even in their direct, there wasn't anything like any first party titles mentioned. We, no one has any idea of like what their holiday schedule is going to look like. If we're going to get any big games, I mean, if there was a time to remaster anything and release it just for profit, now would be the time to do it. So I'm hoping that we could, I would love to go back and play Mario 64 on the Switch. I would pay for a physical copy of it. If the physical copy was, was, you know, 40, 50 bucks, I would go out and pay for it. So I'm hoping that this rumor is true. seems like it has to be. Uh, what are your thoughts, though? Are you in the same boat? You know Nintendo and nostalgia. If they see a nice chunk of change off of it, you know they're going to do what they can to bleed it dry. And yeah. you know what? We as fans, we're going to just eat it up. We're just going to just lap it all up. I mean, give us all the Nintendo retro you can. Mario Kart 64, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Brothers 3, the whole nine yards. If you, if you give us updated versions of them, throw it on the Switch, my gosh, take our money, please, as we see on every single meme out there. I hear you. I hear you. Well, thank you for taking a walk around the rumor mill with me. Until next time. Until next and time. Now, continuing with your regular programming remember all those were rumors and as we post a lot of rumors or as our good friend jamie monroy posts a lot of game rant rumors that are on our game source facebook page not exactly thrilled when he does it because again they don't have the highest batting percentage in the world but a lot of these were done by josh and research from other more reputable sites like kotaku and ign so I appreciate you, Josh, you taking the time to go ahead and gather all this together because, like you said, a lot of these rumors have appeared on other sites as well. But we've got a great show for the rest of the time for you right now. We've got a lot of things to talk about, including Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and the Halo Infinite delay. We're going to be talking about some reboots with MacGruber and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Tron 3 is, I guess, alive. So that's great news. Fortnite and Apple are not playing nice nice right now. Facebook Gaming, there's a big question on the future of Facebook Gaming, and I'll explain why on the back end of the show. And then also as well, we have a great interview from the guys from theconguy.com. So check out their site, theconguy.com, if you want to know the latest and greatest on Comic-Cons and and also what's going on with their version of Shark Week because they're big fans of Shark Week and Jaws and all that. So we're talking to Jim Fry and the birthday boy, Luke Cheeseman, Heads up out there, Luke. Happy birthday to you. Those guys are coming up for our audio portion that's coming up later in the broadcast for our radio stations and podcast channels as well. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. 
Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But first, my friend, I want to go ahead and ask you this. Did you see the news lately for Microsoft and Xbox? Speaking of rumors, you forgot to mention one last rumor on a most likely nailed down release date for the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. We'll get to Halo in a second. Yes, I had heard the rumors. I feel like that was an accidental slip on their part. I feel like it would be a more formal announcement if it was on purpose. But yeah, I November, that, that's, that's kind of what I was guessing. I was guessing uh, late October. Anytime a new Halo has released, it's, it's usually been late October. But yeah, November makes sense. I imagine it's going to be an early November release date because that seems to be like the best time to put games out. That way you have time to do it shop while you're on thanksgiving break and doing all that stuff so november um, 6th looks like it's going to be the date that they're going to announce hasn't been confirmed but that seems to be the rumor since this is a show of rumors that seems to be the rumor of the exact date and not only that that xbox series x is going to be announced as being available for delivery at that point in time but xbox series s which was kind of leaked out Another rumor that is most likely going to be substantiated, a less expensive version of the Xbox Series. The Xbox Series S was kind of leaked out on the packaging of a Xbox controller. So that's also not the best way to go ahead and announce your next console. But again, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S, what do you see PlayStation 5 doing in the interim? Do you see them coming out before or after? Because in the last generation, I believe they came out before, like a few days before, if memory serves. You know what? I honestly think that it's all going to depend on the price point, right? So if they're priced a little bit more expensive than the Xbox, I imagine it'd probably be smarter for them to come out before. But they'll have two versions, they're... Xbox will. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I think that, again, like pricing is going to also dictate the PlayStation release date. And I want to say it's going to be after the Xbox, but I could be wrong. You know, as for the Xbox being released, it worries me, you know, thanks to something that we're going to chat about here in a few minutes. But my thoughts are we're going to hear definitive details come, I think it's next week, right? The, X, the Xbox... Well, there's supposed to be some kind of Xbox state of play for yep. next week. Something like that. And then also as well, you've got the DC Fun Dome. So next week, you and I are going to be pop cultured out, my friend, because you have Xbox and also DC just, just blabbing a whole bunch of stuff out there. And you and I are going to have to keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious <laughs> you look so, how You much... sound so thrilled. You sound so thrilled. Well, no, I was just I was thinking about Microsoft. Like, I'm curious, like, how much of their show had to be changed for the next big thing we're going to be talking about here and like how they're going to keep themselves afloat without it. But we'll talk about that in a minute. And that is the delay of the premier game. You know, back in the original Xbox, one of the reasons why it got any 
type of traction as far as sales concerned. And no, it didn't end up winning that console generation, but one of the most beloved games of that generation did come out as a console exclusive that came out as a day and date game that shipped out with the console at that point in time as far as the console came out and the game came out. And that was Halo Combat Evolved. And they were going to try and repeat history here with the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S and have the same day and date release of Halo Infinite. Unfortunately, things have gone awry, whether it's the free-to-play format that they're discussing, the Battle Royale format that they're discussing, all the different proposed ideas, or the backlash on the graphics, whatever you say about Halo Infinite, it has caused a delay to 2021. So the statement was made this past week that Halo Infinite is going to be delayed until next year. Is this a crucial hit for getting the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S off the ground. I think so. I, this is probably a reason why we're not seeing a Forza at, at launch too, right? Because Halo was supposed to be it. Halo was the game that was going to sell mass units for these consoles. And now that Halo has been pushed back, obviously they haven't announced any launch titles yet, but it doesn't seem like we're going to be getting anything big you know any known titles unless they're going to ship like a version of gears tactics out with the the xbox but there's nothing big that has been even talked about or rumored or anything surrounding the launch of the xbox except for halo so they were really pushing a lot of marketing onto halo and i imagine a lot of things have had to be rearranged and my hope is that if there was something that was supposed to release in january february I would hope that that's not going to be rushed just so they can have some kind of big launch title with the Xbox. I have more, but I want to hear what you think about that. It really decreases the chance I'm going to go ahead and buy an Xbox series, either X or S on the day one. If there's nothing attractive to go ahead and buy it, if there's no games for it. I mean, cause I love disavowed. Yeah. I love to see obsidians disavowed, but I'm not going to see that until 2022, 2023. Now mm-hmm. I hear, and it's just like, okay, if that's the case and I don't see halo, which I was kind of interested in, which to me, it looked fine. I had no real big issues. I mean, you know, it looked nice. It looked colorful. It looked like it was going to be a wide open type of game. I was going to have fun with it, but yeah, right now there's just not very much incentive at all to buy an Xbox series, whatever, on the day and date, whether it's November 6th or whenever they decide to eventually release it. Yeah, that's just for me, it's just not a buy right now at all. Yeah, so I mean, my hope is that Microsoft has some kind of huge surprise announcement coming up or else this could really sink them come holidays. You know, as for Halo itself, I also thought that it looked great. I mean, they went with a simpler duller color palette but i mean i don't think that there was anything wrong with the graphics the screenshots they released were not flattering but you know all things aside if you actually went back and watched the legitimate 4k trailer the game looked pretty good and this is one of those things i know we've talked about this before but video game fandom like that the culture that surrounds video games has this tendency to be incredibly toxic you know, I wonder how much of like the sheep voices they heard were from Sony fanboys or if it was from Microsoft fanboys legitimately concerned about the product. Like, I would love to know that, but I, I don't think those are numbers we'll ever get. So th- they had said, for those of you who don't know, they had said Halo Infinite is going to be delayed because of COVID. 
and I am well, one of the reasons. Towards, one of the reasons, but one of it. the reasons. Yeah, but I'm leaning towards the idea that it's not that because look at you know at the last Xbox conference they talked about Halo was still being flagged for November, right? Yep. For the holiday release. And that wasn't too long ago. Yeah, okay, so look at this. Halo Infinite has been in development Years. just as long if not longer than Cyberpunk. And Cyberpunk keeps pushing their release date back. So if it was truly because of COVID, they had to have known this a long time ago that because of COVID, they weren't going to make that release schedule. So that leads me to believe that them pushing this date back is due to the negative feedback that that demo got. And you know, they said a 2021 release date. And I'm thinking, honestly, that it's probably going to end up being next holiday season before we see this game. I don't think that it's going to be something that turns up on quarter one or even quarter two profits of next year. How much of the game was actually prepared for launch? You know, was this something that was rushed or was it something? I don't know. There's, there's so many unknowns in this decision and I, but I just, I don't think that it says good things for the launch of the next Xbox. It, no, it, it doesn't send any good message at all to gamers out there. And if I was somebody who was on the fence about buying one right away, I think people now are really off the fence, no matter even if there's an Xbox Series S now, a less expensive version that they're going to debut very, very soon that will be also coming out day and date with the early November, November 6th, or whenever they ultimately decide to go ahead and release it. I think there's a lot of people like myself that were ready and willing to go ahead and spend money on it that are now not going to spend money on it at this point in time. Maybe the graphics look the way they did because they're having them develop for both the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X. And I wonder if like now, this is being pushed back, if they can kind of rework things using the full capabilities of the Xbox Series X because you know, notoriously, they only really keep creating unless you're the Wii, they keep creating games for the last-gen console for about six months. So I wonder if they had just focused on making an Xbox Series X game, if it'll look any better. We'll have to wait and see, my friend. We'll have to wait and see. What are your thoughts out there, first off, on Josh's rumor mill, as we took a trip around the rumor mill? Do you like any of the, the rumors to be true? I love the Mass Effect one, and that one I've been hearing for a long time now. So I'm hoping that will finally come to fruition what are your thoughts on any of the rumors that Josh had already stated in the earlier part of the show? And of course, what are your thoughts on the Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and the Halo Infinite delay? Are you still going to get an Xbox Series X or S when it comes out most likely in early November? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Plus also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Plus... Pop Culture Cosmos, while it's still live, unless it's been banned, on TikTok as well. Well, my friend, before we go ahead and get to our good friends at thekonguy.com, Jim Fry and Luke Cheeseman, and once again, happy birthday to you, Luke, as we're recording this. Want to go ahead and hit up some more development Hollywood rumors out there, my friend, and quickly. Your thoughts on a MacGruber reboot as a TV series headed to, I think, Peacock for streaming? Not interested in the slightest. <laughs> I, I have friends who thought the movie was funny. I did not think the movie was funny. I've never really been interested. That's Will uh, Forte. Will Forte, yes. Arnett. Will Forte, yeah. I don't think it's funny, I'm sure. Some people think it's funny, but I am not interested in this show in the slightest. Are you? Nope. I am not. 
for the same exact reasons, didn't think it was funny before, and I probably won't think it's funny now. But you know what? These streaming networks will always come up with now ideas to go ahead and reboot, refresh, as we'll be talking about here again in a second. So I'm hoping one of these series from the past, hint, hint, Ed or Monk, go ahead and maybe at Peacock, they're going to keep coming up with stuff like this. So MacGruber, will it go ahead and be a success? I don't know. The movie itself was kind of a surprise hit at the box office way back when. So there's a reason why they're doing it. So I guess, you know, wait and see. But again, MacGruber coming, I believe, to Peacock sometime in 2021. Speaking of reboots... The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is being rebooted with Will Smith as an executive producer. Your thoughts on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air being rebooted, but this time as a drama? Okay, I'm going to say something that is going to make me unpopular. I love the idea of a Fresh Prince reboot. absolutely love that show. I think they're making it into a drama because they're pandering to a moment in time. I think that's very risky. I could be wrong. It could be amazing, but I think that's risky. And I think that it destroys everything that the Fresh Prince was. It was about this kid moving to Bel Air from a rundown area and just how he coped with it. And like, it's a comedic show. It's, it's funny. It's, it's very situational comedy. And I think they're trying to make it into something that is not, you know, I, I'm wondering if it was even meant to be a reboot of Fresh Prince or if it was just a show someone wrote and then they branded it Fresh Prince. It doesn't make any sense to me why they would make change the genre of it. I And again, like I love the original Fresh Prince, like it's even to this day, it's one of my favorite shows, but I just I don't see it having any place being a drama. The other one did have, if you remember, the, the old show had dramatic moments in it, yeah. but it hinged more on the sitcom type humor. So I, I just like, it'd be if someone remade Full House as a, as a drama or someone remade Step by Step as a drama, I just, I don't see it being something that works, especially if, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia attached to this series. And I just, I don't see people being very fond of something like this. I agree with you that it's going to be a show that has a lot more social relevance to it. And I applaud that. But don't package it under the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, Will Smith, he can executive produce. That's fine. Just create something new. Create something special out of it. Even if it's the same concept as far as individual from one side of the universe coming to a different side of society and things of that nature, that's fine. Just repackage it as something else. Don't attach the name of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because people might be expecting something different and might be disappointed by it. Because they're expecting, you know, the laugh out loud comedy that Will Smith you saw the talent there. That's how he he became the superstar that he still is today. In some respects, that he had such talent at that time that you saw showcased on that show. And I just believe at this point in time to repackage it into a drama. I mean, just let it stand on its own. It seems like a great concept to put in as far as a drama. I wouldn't mind it, but to use that name, I'm not sure. I, I no, I think a lot of people are going to be kind of down on that aspect. I would have loved to have just seen that type of show or movie or concept taking place with it as an original IP and going from there. Because there's going to be enough people that will support it or enough streaming networks or programs or networks that will support it with Will Smith's name attached, regardless of whether or not it says Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or not. If it was repackaged, you know, that's fine, the idea and all that. But if it was named... An original name to let stand out on its own, I think for me would have sufficed a lot better. But 
you know, we, we want to hear your thoughts out there. I mean, is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air repackaged as a drama? Are you really into it? Would you like to see it repackaged with a different name? I'm probably going to still see it and, and give it a, about as fresh look as I can with it. But, but we want to hear your thoughts on it. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Tron 3 got a director, my friend. So Jared Leto's Tron 3 looks like it's somewhat off the ground, my friend, in development. What are your thoughts on Tron 3 getting a director? I don't. It's, it's not a done deal yet, because as you've seen with Uncharted, that had 15,000 directors attached to it. But Tron 3 is getting a director. Jared Leto is still attached. Is this something you want to see? Yes, it is for sure something I want to see. So we talked about this a while ago. I know they had the guy who had originally been involved in the storyboarding for Tron 3 had said Tron 3 is going to be released as a Disney Plus movie. But if it has Jared Leto in it, I don't think it's going to be a Disney Plus movie. I think that sounds more like movie theater material to me. What it sounds like, though, is that we're not going to get a continuation of the Garrett Headland and Olivia Wilde story. We're going to be getting something else here. Well, I told you before uh, I, that I thought there's a whole bunch of scenarios you could use for Tron and, and the future of Tron, yeah. whether it's a series or another movie. We talked about this, I think, was it last month? Yeah, we did. We did. And I, I I mean, I cool. I think it's if it goes to theaters, that'd be awesome. And I would definitely go see it. I just I, I don't know uh, what is going to happen to continuity here. You know, like, are we going to end up with a situation like Tron 2 had where Jared Leto maybe gets into the grid and he runs into Garrett Hedlund? Are they even going to reference the last movie? I just like I don't want to see it just jump, you know, like, that's something, again, we'll go back to Blade Runner 2049, something they did really well was while the story didn't center around Decker, it still referenced him a little bit, you know, like it, it involved him in the plot, though he wasn't the main character. So I would just hope that Tron does something similar to that instead of just giving us a whole new story and not even telling us what happened to the last batch of characters. What are your thoughts on Tron 3? Becoming a reality with Jared Leto and a new director in place. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Coming up next, we've got Jim Fry and the birthday boy, Luke Cheeseman from thekonguy.com. They're coming up to talk about how Comic Cons are trying to reevaluate the current climate of today's con world, plus also talk a little Shark Week as well. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Facebook gaming, gaining a large audience. And also the Fortnite iOS controversy as well on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. I know this year has been a little bit crazy with the coronavirus and all that, but one thing that hasn't slowed down at all is con life. That's right. Comic-Cons are still going on across the country. They're finding new ways to approach their audience with several ideas out there from virtual to other ways they can go ahead and connect with their audience because people still want to go ahead and celebrate Comic-Cons because they are such a great place to go, such a way to go ahead and have everybody get together to have a fun time, especially on various aspects of pop culture. 
one of the best places to go for your news and information on con life is the conguide.com. It's news of the con universe, and you want to check it out right now. There's no better place to go than the conguide.com. And I've got two of the guys behind the conguide.com right now on with me on the show, and that's Luke Cheeseman and Jim Fry. And guys, thank you so much for being part of the program today. Thank you for having us. This is a, such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, good to be here. Great to have you guys on the show. First off, I want to ask you, Luke, is that as you know, with the coronavirus, it has totally just thrown everything out of whack from every part of the society. And obviously, we don't want to get into the you know huge particulars with that. But con life with comic cons, and the, you know, there is so much of a part of pop culture. And unfortunately, the way we've seen over this year, as far as the different aspects of con life have changed because of coronavirus, hasn't it? Definitely. So a, a lot of the conventions, as you know, like a big part was just these large gatherings of people. And a lot yeah. of it was based off that. And they'd have these convention floors that were basically shoulder to shoulder. You'd go to a place like San Diego Comic-Con, you could barely walk through the floor because it was just so crowded. And with all this happening, we're not able to go, but a lot of them have kind of decided mm -hmm. to do more of the virtual. And luckily, a lot of the vendors have been able to survive because of the online shopping and all that. And a lot of them were worried about it in the beginning because they weren't getting the business. And basically, all their main business from the year comes from these conventions. But it's been interesting to see how they've been adapting to the change that's going on right now. Yeah, they really have. We'll take uh, San Diego, for example. They, were, they came out probably with the probably the most robust online experience. Most of the conventions, if not all, I mean, there's still some conventions that are still on the schedule as they are trying to happen, but it's very doubtful we're going to see any in-person conventions this year. So that so they've all tried to create something virtual. And we've got to give them credit. And, and at the beginning, it probably wasn't the best. People slapped on a couple of panels and, oh, here's a guest. And you can pay to see this one guest over here or something. But San Diego Comic-Con kind of changed it all. They pushed out 350 hours of programming over five days, all staggered at different times, just like you were at a convention. And they were high profile. They had The Walking Dead. They had Bill and Ted's hosted by Kevin Smith. But not only that, people can see videos just about anywhere, but the interaction, like Comic-Con, they still had portfolio reviews where you could submit your artwork if you were an aspiring artist and you get feedback. They still had the masquerade where people did... 15 second performances and it was all put together and voted upon. So they had like interaction, which was great. Like New York Comic Con, which we just heard recently has, they're going 100% online as well. And, they're, yeah. and so they're having like a meta convention of all their different brands. And then in October, New York Comic Con is going online. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do. We're kind of in an evolving space right now where everybody is seeing that, wow, there is a little bit of fatigue of only being able to see things online but the conventions are starting to get a little bit more creative and looking for ways to interact with fans. Because that's what, like Luke just said, that's what everybody's missing. We love the news. We love finding out about pop culture. We love finding out about what our favorite celebrities and favorite comic book artists are doing. But there's nothing that can really replace right now the interaction of shaking hands, meeting your favorite people. But they're trying. They're using Cameo, which is an online way for a lot of celebrities that would be at conventions to do special one-on-ones with people and and people are doing, there's still autograph opportunities available. So yeah, it's it's a tough season. But like Luke said, one of the biggest things that was hit was the vendors because so many vendors make their livelihood off these conventions and they're kind of 
having a really hard time right now. So we just encourage everybody to make sure you are still following your favorite vendors and don't abandon them during this time because uh, they need you just as much as you want to be a part of what they're doing. I wanted to ask you, as you guys mentioned San Diego Comic-Con, which everybody knows it's probably the most infamous of all Comic-Cons that are out there. And uh, we covered it quite a bit on this show extensively. And one of the things that we covered, Luke, was the fact that Marvel and DC, they're doing their Fundome event. I want to ask you your opinion on San Diego Comic-Con. As Jim mentioned, there were several things each and every day that fans could look forward to, but was missing Marvel and DC that one big thing that could draw in enough audiences? I think that it, for me and a lot of reaction out there, they're saying that Marvel and that DC element missing was a big, big hit in San Diego. Yeah, I think a lot of those bigger panels were missing. You could definitely feel the absence of that. Usually starting as soon as Thursday, they were dropping big panels. Like you'd have all these big movies that were promoting and you basically from there all the way to Sunday and having these like gigantic panels, Warner Brothers or the Marvel DC, like those announcements were something, you know, like you'd look forward to probably more than anything happening, at least on my end. Like I loved hearing like, this is the next phase of Marvel or here's a special glimpse at this and kind of missing that did feel like part of my Comic-Con experience was missing. Now I do feel that some of the smaller panels that usually don't get as many people. And we were on one of those panels that usually only fills, maybe you're able to get a lot more views on some of these smaller ones. It's cool that they're recorded, but especially those bigger ones, having the fan reactions and having these just gigantic announcements. I definitely did miss those. Uh, I did miss them as well, and you're going to be seeing next week with all the big announcements that, that DC has to offer. Oh, I'm sorry, in 10 days from our conversation, what DC has to offer, they're going to obviously run down a lot of things that SDCC could have benefited from, which is kind of disappointing because, uh, you know, we see this as well with E3 in the video game world, that now all these publishers want to do their own thing. If it goes back to the real world as far as we're getting out of coronavirus and People are starting to really gather again in numbers. And San Diego Comic-Con doesn't get back DC and Marvel. There could be a real problem. I agree with you. Marvel and DC, those are the premier giant Hall H events, which kind of make Comic-Con, the modern Comic-Con, what it is today. With Marvel, because of the, uh, the shutdowns and the pandemics and the stop in production, I'm not so sure that they had a full grasp on what their release schedule is even going to be because it's it's been changing even as much as two weeks ago. You know, there was the investors conference with Walt Disney Company and things were being changed. So I think that might be part of the reason Marvel's kind of decided not to be part of it. Also, I do think that DC and Marvel will be back. DC especially, Warner Brothers DC, they're perhaps like it was a last year at San Diego. I think they had like 22 to 26 panels and they sponsored so much stuff. This It's their big thing. I, though, am looking forward to the DC event that's coming up. It looks very, very cool. Once again, I'm on with Luke Cheeseman and Jim Fry from The Con Guy. You got to check out their awesome site today, thecongui.com, where they cover the latest and greatest going on in conventions and Comic-Cons right there for you. Got a ton of stuff for you right there, including exclusives, videos, cosplay, podcasts, and also updated convention information. So you want to go ahead and check it out today, thecongui.com. But before we get to what you guys are working on with Shark Week and all that, uh, because I covered it as well on the Monday show about what the importance of it is for the Discovery Channel. I know Josh and I talked about it at length in regards to that. 
Jim, Luke, I want to hear your thoughts on one thing you would add to make it special, to make it worth more worthwhile, to make it so they could draw in, obviously, a larger consumer base. Do you mean like the online experience yeah, well, right let's now? Say, let's say you guys are running a Comic-Con. Let's say mm-hmm. you're doing a think tank. You guys got to go ahead together and, and butt heads on exactly what one aspect you'd like to throw in there. I, I got something. All right. So go when ahead. you're at these panels, like a big thing is the Q&A time. Like people just get so excited to ask these people these questions. Now, I think either whether it's because I wish they had more of a live chat feed, although it would probably be going insane. But if they'd select just a select few of people that would get to kind of just video chat in, you get to see that kind of freak out kind of people getting all starstruck moment to kind of ask their favorite, you know, actors or filmmakers or whatever the questions, I feel like that would add a little more personal to it. And it'll draw more people in like, I may get to ask this person a question. So I would definitely add that aspect. And I would say that would be my number one thing. I would do the same thing. The number one thing they need to do right now is find a way for you to interact with the people you're coming to see, whether it's your favorite artists, your writer, the creators, or even celebrities. If there's a way to interact and ask questions, meet, make an autograph feel a little bit more personal than just like clicking a tab and it shows up in the mail. If there's a way that somebody can break that code, they're going to have created an awesome online experience that I think will live after the pandemic. Get to the patent office, guys. Get to the get yeah. to the patent office. So you got to go ahead and uh, come up with something like that. There you go. Got something on your hands right there. But before we head on out, guys, I want to go ahead and get your thoughts because you guys, obviously, by looking at Facebook Live, your walls and seeing the impression that Jaws has made in your life, and <laughs> you're going to theconguy.com, and you can see the. I guess the interviews that you've done there and also as well, the just basically everything that you've got there in regards to how important Shark Week is to both you guys. But in reference to the stuff that you guys do for the site, but also in your own personal lives, Jim, I'll start with you. Please just let me know exactly what Shark Week means. I have always loved Shark Week. I get excited every year about it. But as far as like the con guy, since we are a, a website that celebrates conventions and fandoms, I've got to actually give credit to Luke. This was Luke's brainchild. We're also screenwriters. And one of the reasons Luke loves screenwriting is because of the movie Jaws. It's one of the things, and I'm gonna let, I don't want to speak for him, so I'm going to pitch it over to Luke. All, all I want to say is if you guys love Shark Week and you love Jaws, come on, check us out at theconguy.com. We have a whole week's worth of interviews with people from the original Jaws on there. It's fantastic. Go ahead, Luke. Well, since I was about eight years old, when I kind of came across Jaws for the first time, as far as actually kind of attempting to watch the movie, which I still kind of looked away on the shark parts when I was a kid, but I just created this lifelong obsession with Jaws and great white sharks, especially the great white sharks. I was obsessed with other sharks. I'd go to the library, get every book I could on sharks. So like, I just was very big into sharks and then it never fully fizzled out, but then kind of getting into the phantom stuff, I just really got back into jaws and started collecting things. If you see my house, I've just have so many different things. If I see exclusives or different things of jaws, I just have to buy them. But I feel bad for my future wife. She's going to be like, what are we going to do with this stuff? But uh, <laughs> I just have always loved it. And as being a big fan and you know, the, I was. I came up with the idea. I was like, with it being the 45th anniversary, why don't we do something we've never done, where we do a week long thing of shows? Because usually we do a show every like week or two. But I was like, let's celebrate Shark Week. Let's celebrate Jaws' 45th anniversary. I don't see anything out there where you're really getting a different show each day on it. So we went and we 
contacted a lot of the people from it. And we're just, even today, we're like continuing to build even more and more people. And it might even be something that continues beyond Shark Week. Like for instance, we have people like Joe Owls who created the shark. There's something going on called Return of the Orca, which is basically they're recreating the Orca and they're calling it the Orca 3 Project. And you can support that and you can even go on boat tours once it's done. We had them on. We also had a couple actors. We had a Jeffrey Voorhees, who played Alex Kittner himself. You can check that on our website. That's out right now. And then we also just today released uh, Jeffrey Kramer, who played Deputy Hendricks. And I don't, we just have so much more coming. And we have Carl Gottlieb. We're very excited about that. And we did a previous interview with uh, Greg Nicotero that we're going to be sharing because he took the only remaining shark made from the original mold. It was the basically the Bruce Four. It was in a junkyard, and then he took it back in and restored it fully. It's going to be in a museum, hopefully at the end of the year if it opens. But it's been awesome just sharing this experience and getting the fan reactions online. Like we're getting comments and other people that just love it. And this might be something we continue of like taking certain fandoms and seeing like, hey, can we build like an episode one, two, three of just exploring a fandom or different casts or different people? And there's a chance we are looking into possibly doing a Back to the Future thing if that can work out. But I'm very excited to be sharing Jaws and doing it during Shark Week and watching Shark Week as we're doing it. Well, this is the year of the 45th anniversary of Jaws. I know that uh, it's getting closer and closer to the 50th anniversary here in a few years, but each and every year Shark Week is an event in and of itself. And it just reminds people of the fascination that we have with sharks in and of itself. So again, if you want to go ahead and check out all the shows that they're doing and that all everything that they're up to, want to go ahead and check it out today at theconguide.com. Uh, both Luke and Jim and everyone there do a great job on covering everything. I've been actually checking out everything that they're doing, and it truly is a great job indeed. Plus, again, if you need the latest to greatest news on everything upcoming for, like you guys were talking about, fandom events or Comic-Cons, no better place to go than theconguide.com. Well, guys, it's been great talking to you. I want to get you back on the show again as we talk more Comic-Cons here in the near future. Hopefully, there will be a time in the not-too-distant future we can get back to normal, like you were talking about, Jim, with mm-hmm. fans interacting once again. Uh, just truly appreciate that type of atmosphere. As someone who's been to several Comic-Cons over the years himself, I miss the camaraderie. I, I miss looking out on the floor and seeing people in their cosplay outfits, just re- talking to each other, remarking and, and, and appreciating each other's work that they do to go ahead and put into it. And just basically the all around great atmosphere of the comic cons itself. Fans meet each other to celebrate what we love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, once again, I've got Luke Cheeseman and Jim Fry on the show from the conguy.com. I hopefully you get a chance to check out their awesome site, the as soon as possible. And hopefully you get a nice bite out of that site <laughs> as well. There it's you go. To go back in the water. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, it's just been so great having you on the show, and I look forward to bringing you back on again real soon, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library, 
and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Jim Fry and Luke Cheeseman from theconguy.com talking about the future of Comic-Cons, at least the short-term future in the world of coronavirus as far as Comic-Cons are concerned, and then also Shark Week as well. My friend, before we head on out, you know about the the latest controversy between Fortnite and Apple Store, and it might include Google Play Store here in a little bit, because Apple pulled out Fortnite from the Apple Play Store because of Fortnite getting so mad at the 30% cut that Apple and Google gets told its customers to go ahead and bypass Apple and also Google and buy directly from Epic and offer them discounts in return in order to do so. So I want to hear your thoughts on this latest controversy between Apple and Fortnite. It's blowing up on our game source page that we posted. I know a lot of people are, are talking about it and reacting to it. So I want to hear your thoughts on Fortnite being removed from the Apple store. And I'm assuming at some point in time, Google may not like that as well. I, uh, this is tough. I'm not a huge fan of Apple, though I do have an iPhone and I apologize for that. Apple is such a massive company, you know, and they overprice things on their stores and they undercut people. You know, I've heard stories, I got friends and bands who say like Apple really takes a big share of their profits whenever they sell music and stuff like that. So I can totally see Apple doing something like this, but at the same time, like I understand why they're upset, right? There's a contract signed, yada, yada. But also 30% is a lot of money. for If you consider how much money Fortnite makes right off of their microtransactions, 30% is a lot of money. And Apple's probably making a lot of money from that. And, you know, you look at Epic, I'm sure Epic, they're probably making plenty of money also. But, I mean, you look at them, they don't sell physical copies of their games. All of their money is made off of microtransactions. So this is their only source of income, and Apple's taking 30% of it. I can see why they would want to do this also. Um, Not just Apple. Remember, Google does the same thing. Google, yeah. So, you know, if they're doing this to Fortnite, I'm curious how many other game companies are doing this to. But, you know, as far as I know, Epic is taking Apple to court, and I don't know what's going on currently. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's crazy that it, it escalated so quickly. But, you know, it's just, it's Epic is, for those of you that don't know, Epic discontinued V-Bucks, right? If I, is that no, the they, story? No, they, they lowered the V-Bucks. They lowered the price of V-Bucks. Oh, That's, they lowered, lowered the, the price, price to make yeah. it more attractive because of the 30% that they're not paying Apple right now in order to do so. Yeah, and I wonder if that means that, because that would probably mean since the game's free that Apple's not profiting off of it at all anymore. Mm-hmm. So it must have been a pretty decent, chunk of change for them to really take notice like this again it just comes down to this is a major power play between a company that has grown by leaps and bounds even though they were very large before obviously they made the unreal engines and they had successes in the past before they sold gears of war to microsoft and obviously several games from the past as well but fortnite has been their big time success for them that they've that pretty much not any other game has reached. I mean, there's there's only been, like, you can count on one hand the number of games that have had this kind of success with microtransactions, with, with generating revenue and volume. Fortnite may not be at the height as it was maybe last year or the year before, 
but it's still at a really, really, really high rate of volume and revenue for the company. And to go ahead and take itself into the position where we wanted to go ahead and undermine what our contracted value is with Apple and Google and try to provide consumers a better way of doing things. They've got a lot of bravado and they've got a lot of power right now because of all the money that they made from Fortnite. So they've got a lot of cachet. But this is a standoff, my friend. This is a standoff between Google, Apple, and Fortnite. And I'm very interested to see what's going to be take place in the future. I have a feeling it's going to end up back on the Apple Play Store. And if the Google decides to take it off, it will end up back on Google Play Store. I don't think all three will coexist without each other for an extended period of time because it just doesn't make sense for all parties concerned. But for in, in the meantime... You and I, as observers, are going to enjoy seeing this standoff at this point in time. Yeah, and unless Epic comes up with some kind of like outside contract that supersedes the, the current Apple guidelines they have in place, it honestly would not make any sense for Epic to not give in to Apple's demands. It's kind of a weird situation. Absolutely. A weird situation indeed, but we'll keep monitoring it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Or check for updates right on our Game Source Facebook page. I know Jamie, myself, and Josh will be updating that site regularly. So you want to check out the latest news and trends in video games on Game Source at Facebook. My friend, it's been a great episode. Once again, thank you to Jim Fry and Luke Cheeseman from theconguy.com for being on the show today. But before we head on out, Facebook Gaming which we're on right now, my friend, to all those great Facebook gaming sites. So I do want to go ahead and give a shout out to all those great Facebook gaming and live stream Facebook gaming groups that are out there that go ahead and allow us to go ahead and showcase our shows on there and also our game streams. But before we head on out, my friend, Facebook gaming is not getting off on the ground, I think, that they were hoping to because when Mixer said bye-bye and was giving a lot of its assets and a lot of the contracts or giving a lot of the decisions for these streamers to go ahead and hop on to Facebook gaming. A lot of them, very surprisingly to me, said, you know what? I don't want any part of Facebook gaming. Ninja, Shroud, those two were contracted to Mixer. They were some really, really popular streamers for Twitch that went over to Mixer and then decided they wanted to bypass the Facebook gaming platform and go back to either YouTube Twitch mix that Ninja's doing or Shroud. And then Dr. Disrespect, who you know has had a lot of issues with Twitch as of late, went ahead and decided to go onto YouTube and again bypassed for the most part Facebook gaming. None of these big-time, AAA, really, really very popular with a great following game streamers, for the most part, I should say virtually none of them, have gone the way of exclusive deals with Facebook Gaming. So I want to hear your thoughts. Besides hiring us and contracting us, which we both know is a given that they should do, hi Facebook, I want to ask you this. What does Facebook Gaming need to do in order to get that kind of crowd? Because Shroud came back to Twitch, 400,000 viewers. Ninja, Twitch, and YouTube, big-time viewers. Dr. Disrespect, big-time viewership on YouTube. Why no love for Facebook Gaming? 
honestly, I, I think that Facebook, you know, and no offense to anyone out there who's a huge fan of Facebook, but I think Facebook is starting to become antiquated in the eyes of the young, right? Like it's the, you know, I sound like an old soul right now, but kids don't use Facebook anymore. They use Instagram, they use YouTube, like those things are still happening and it's still like it's relevant with kids like i don't know a lot of people under the age of 20 that are on facebook so i think that has a lot to do with it i also think that you know among all these new movements going on in society like there's a lot of distrust happening with facebook and their board of directors and zuckerberg like they court a lot of controversy in the news and i think that that's also one of the reason that younger people tend to stay away from them but i mostly think that's just because facebook is not something that young people who like to watch game streams are really flocking to anymore nobody has profiles all their social media is done via instagram they go on youtube all the time twitch is a big one for them tiktok yeah it's just i don't think that facebook has a big enough audience to sustain what they're trying to do and i get that they're trying to bring people back to facebook facebook is what everybody's parents are on so i just i don't see them like succeeding in that endeavor which is a shame because, again, like you said, it is about getting that younger audience to come back to Facebook. It's not because Facebook doesn't have enough money. Because they have enough money to go ahead and dish out the kind of dollars necessary to attract one or more of these high-profile streamers. They just need to go ahead and provide a platform which, I guess, from what I'm seeing with Facebook Gaming needs to be nice, streamlined, ready to go, ready to run, and they're trying to do that. I see good things coming from Facebook gaming and Facebook game streaming, so I'm hoping that these high-profile streamers will give it a try, but also create some stars of your own. And yes, am I going ahead and saying when I say, oh yes, go ahead, get us, get us, get us, get us, that would be nice. That would be awesome if Facebook said, they come knocking on the door and say, hey, Josh, Gerald, we'd love you to be our next streaming stars. But we know realistically that the chances of that are not as high as we would like them to be. But you know what? We put out good stuff, but find others. Because like you said, if it's about getting younger audiences, hearing us, two older guys, we're probably not going to go ahead and get the demographic that they want all the time, or at least the 18 to 25 demographic that they want. So you know what? Go ahead, find some young stars Create them, advertise them, promote them, go ahead and do what you can to build those stars. And then again, also get to great shows like ours and put us on a platform or others like the Jock and Nerd podcast or Voice from the Underground or a lot of these podcasts out there that still love and promote Facebook to the extreme like we do and go ahead and support them as well. I mean, because there's a lot of independent podcasters that you could go ahead and big time promote because the audience that we get, we get in the hundreds. We get sometimes a lot more than that just by going off of the sheer we just post whenever we want to. But we could use a lot of help, and I know a lot of other independent podcasters could as well. So, And that might be a way to go ahead and get people into Facebook gaming is to go ahead and use these game streamers, use these people with some notoriety on Facebook. I, I think... Facebook has the platform, like you said, despite all the controversy, it does have enough platform and notoriety to go ahead and get some of that market back. They just got to go ahead and take the right steps to do so. So before Josh's profile on Facebook gets locked out and our pop culture cosmos and humanity can be a profile get locked out as well, 
<laughs> for Josh's comments. I'm not exactly disagreeing with them because in a lot of places, yeah, Facebook, it does have issues, but there is still a lot of positivity out there for Facebook. You just got to go out there and find it. And I think it's a lot of what I say about the esports. It's about finding that next wave of individuals that can go ahead and promote good stuff for your audience. What are your thoughts out there on Facebook gaming? Are you interested? Do you watch it? Are you watching us right now? Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and of course, Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok, and yes, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook as well. Well, my friend, great episode. Had a lot to talk about, a lot of stuff to ramble off. Any last thoughts from the Rumorville or otherwise on the way out? No, but I'll make sure there's more places to visit on the next episode of Rumor Mill. So the only thing about rumors, a lot of times, they don't come true. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. My name is Quo. I tread paths by moonlight that others fear to speak of during the day. I've talked to gods, loved women, and written songs that make the minstrels weep. You may have heard of me. Join Mandy and her friends as they explore Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. You can find us at casterquest.com or on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.